as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also of Big Shiny Robot. And hopefully you tuned in earlier this week, uh, because that was when we talked about Rogue One. So there will be no Rogue yep. One talk this time, as much as we would like to. Even more dive in. We're, we're going to save that correct. for... It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and apparently you thought so too. You gave it one of the biggest openings in December ever, about $155 million. Um, yep. So we will be doing a deep dive into kind of a huge spoiler episode in about two weeks from now. So stay tuned from that. Um, this week, though, it's kind of interesting. We've got exact polar opposites of movies. One that's wonderful and one that's absolutely horrible. Uh, and those two movies are uh, Collateral Beauty and La La Land. Um, Andy, I know you're just dying to tell us all you can about Collateral Beauty. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Let me start off by saying this is the second worst movie of the year. It is number two. It is literally number two. <laughs> <laughs> and and just... I, I didn't see it because I had to work, but um, we'll talk about this in a little later on. When I found out what this movie really was, I was intensely angry and I didn't even experience it. Yeah, I I went into this movie with high hopes. Here's a story. You got Will Smith. He's playing a successful Manhattan ad executive. And he starts off the movie and he's talking about his great philosophy about life. That... Time and death and love are the three things that motivate all of us. And it cuts to three years later, and he's lost his daughter. And he is in deep mourning, and his business partners, played by Ed Norton, Michael Pena, and Kate Winslet. So their firm is going under, and the only way to save it is to sell it to these angel investors. But in order to do that, they have to prove to the board that Will Smith is mentally incompetent. So they hire a detective to follow him around and find out what he's doing in his spare time. And they find out he's been writing these letters to love and death and time. And so they decide, what if we hire these three actors who are played by Kira Knightley as love and Helen Mirren as death and Jacob Lattimore as time to follow him around and we'll capture it all on video and edit them out so that we can show how crazy he is and take his company away from him. Oh, but then here's the spooky twist. Maybe these are like Dickensian ghosts of Christmas time and maybe they are the actual spirits and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. See, if this was like a madcap comedy, it would be hilarious. But the, like, the, fact, the reason why this made me so angry was I saw this trailer back in, I think, August. And I'd completely forgotten about it by the time this movie came out. And the trailer makes it feel like a really like a heartfelt, like, oh my god, here's this guy dealing with grief. And maybe these, yeah. these you know, uh, love, death, and time really are there to help him figure out why he lost his daughter. It just seemed like it could be a really moving, amazing movie. And so when I started like kind of seeing tidbits pop up from you and from other people saying how manipulative it was... I was like, what are they talking about? And then as yeah. you explained, it's these people trying to screw over this grieving man who lost his daughter. And that's just, again, if it was a comedy where he was like, oh, he lost his dog or something like that, it'd be different. But this is like, this is one of the most messed up things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, they they really try and make it seem like, oh, yeah, we're totally gaslighting this guy. 
but we're doing it for altruistic reasons because if we let these investors buy him out, then everyone gets to keep their job and hey, he's crazy anyway, so so what or whatever. It just is so trite and that's what it comes down to really. It's just awful. This is a movie for people who think that Deepak Chopra is deep. (laughs) This is a movie for people who watch Oprah and Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil to get life advice and think that that's smart. (laughs) I think a friend of ours said it best when he said, this is Oscar bait for stupid people. Uh, No, I think that's what I said. Oh, maybe it was you. I saw it. It was me who said that. But no, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it is. This is a movie made specifically to be manipulative and try and get people Oscars. And hey, they chalk this full of really smart, really talented people. Who should know better. Yeah, they should know better. And a lot of them are trying. And, you know, they actually do a pretty remarkable job. And, And one thing, Michael Pena actually does a very nice job here. You don't normally think of him as being a dramatic actor. He's able to step out of that. And so the one piece of credit I will give this is that it shows that Michael Pena has some range. He's not just, you know, your funny sidekick. So, but that is literally the only positive thing that I can say about this movie. Because otherwise, it is just crap, 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 crap. It is awful. And I would not wish this movie on anyone. If you want to see a good Oscar movie and see something that's a little bit depressing, we talked about Manchester by the Sea last yeah. week. That's a great movie. Go see that. Don't see Collateral Beauty. It is just awful. This doesn't deserve your attention or your dollars. Stay as far away from this as possible. Yeah, so what do you uh, give it? Yeah, one out of ten. One. Ugh, one God, for Michael I- Pena. I, unfortunately, I am going to have to somehow see this before I vote for the Razzies. Um, same thing with the Gods of Egypt. <laughs> I'm not oh, looking yeah. forward to the day that I have to watch both of those. Maybe I'll get really drunk first. Or I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So far, this goes uh, worst movie of the year, Mother's Day. Number two, Colla- uh, Collateral Beauty. Number three, Gods of Egypt. Oh, and if someone can explain to me exactly what Collateral Beauty is, I would love to know. The explanation that they gave in the movie, so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> so it fits and, the rest of the movie. But it, it, it sounds deep and it sounds intriguing. Notice the collateral beauty in everything. What the F does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> you took words and put them together that don't go together and don't actually mean anything. It's like saying... Ice cream fascism. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Indeed. <laughs> but um, well, let's talk yeah. about actually good movies. Great let's movies, indeed. So uh, this is La La Land. Uh, this is written and directed by Damien Chazelle. He, we last saw him with Whiplash, which he uh, got a lot of... Not my tempo. Which uh, got some Oscar nominations, got some buzz, 
which led to his being able to actually make this film. He wrote this script a long time ago, and no one would give him a chance to do it. So yeah, uh, La La Land stars uh, Emma Stone as Mia. She's a up-and-coming wannabe actress who works at a Starbucks on a uh, back studio lot, which actually is filmed at the Warner Brothers lot, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, as far as some supporting cast you weren't expecting. The uh, relationship she builds and uh, kind of the love that flowers from her casual, bu- casually bumping into Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, who is a jazz uh, pianist who is hoping to you know kind of get something going, maybe eventually open his own uh, jazz bar up. Or um, but right now he's just playing gigs at restaurants and uh, allows for a very, very fun cameo by J.K. Simmons, who seems to follow Damien Chazelle uh, around in all of his movies, because as you know, he was in Whiplash. And it's just, it's a great love story between these two people, uh, you know, how they can ebb and flow of the relationship, and we'll just say things happen. I don't want to give away too much because the ending, in my opinion, is the best ending I've seen in a movie in a very long time, and I think if it would have ended any differently, we all would have felt cheated. Uh, so, the one thing I'm leaving out, this is a huge, huge love letter letter to all the great Hollywood musicals, uh, from Singing in the Rain to uh, all the Grace Kelly stuff. It's, from start to finish, packed with songs and dancing, incredible choreography, and it's absolutely stunning. But I can, I'll give you this one thing. So, when you watch the movie, literally within the first 30 seconds of the movie opening, everyone's stuck in freeway, in freeway traffic on this on-ramp in LA, which if you've ever been to LA, you know this is how it is every single day. Within 30 seconds after kind of panning through the cars, uh, a woman gets out, jumps on top of her car, and starts singing. And then everyone else gets out of their cars, starts singing and dancing, and they have this whole musical number on the actual freeway, which they shut down to do this whole take. Uh, And the whole thing looks like it's filmed in one take. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure they pulled like a Birdman or something with it. And then they, they all kind of go, yeah, and it says, you know, La La Land. And if at that moment you are like, nope, then this movie is not for you. Stay as far away from it as possible. But if you're the one like me who loves musicals, especially loves old Hollywood musicals, uh, this just splashed across the screen, made my eyes light up, and I was in from that first two minutes. It's, it's, so if, that's your uh, litmus test, if you're going to love it or hate it. Uh, if you do love it, though, the one thing I mentioned, I that there's a supporting character is actually the city of LA itself um, what's really cool is there's a lot of uh, landmarks you'll see like Griffith Observatory uh, the Angels Flight which is a tram uh, the actual freeway they get up and they actually do the dancing on so this is as much a love letter to Hollywood of old um, I mentioned like the Warner Brothers studio lot they're filming on to uh, as well as to Hollywood I mean LA itself and if you've gone up down there or if you've ever been there uh you've seen these places you've probably been there because some of them are kind of tourist attractions some aren't uh, but yeah it's incredibly well written it's well acted it's not exactly well sung though but I'll say this actually works in its favor because one of the I guess you could say almost a problem with movie musicals is that they try to present the actor and actresses as these you know they're these normal people doing their thing and suddenly they burst into song and they could be on Broadway Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone would never make it to Broadway. They wouldn't make it past the first audition. But the fact that they let them perform as normal people, when they are themselves playing normal people in this uh, movie, and not singers and dancers, almost makes it seem more realistic and more endearing. So, again, cinematography is great. You 
Ugh, I, just, I can't say enough good things about this. I, I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, it's my favorite movie of the year, and as of right now, uh, it's barely, barely edging out Rival as my number one movie of the year. Uh, it, it's hard to say because they're both so good, but again, from the opening two minutes of this movie, it had me hook, line, and sinker, and there's no way I could not give this a perfect 10. It's fantastic. What if I kind of hate L.A.? Like, I kind of <laughs> love it, but it's just a huge hassle. Like, um, am I still going to be okay with it? Yeah, because you're. It's, it's not like it's L.A. sensibilities. It's just L.A. locations. So if you've ever been to Griffith Observatory, there's a really cool scene in that with a musical number. Um, even, like I said, the freeway traffic, which when I lived in California, I spent way too much time in. Uh, even that with that musical opening, even that seemed endearing. So, if they can make traffic fun, then they can do anything. Okay, let, since you're loving this a lot, let's let's take it out of the context of 2016. Let's talk about all of the classic movie musicals we've ever had. Okay, where does this rank among those? Like, you're you're saying it's drawing from Singing in the Rain, but is it is it as good as Singing in the Rain? Is it is it as good as, say, Moulin Rouge from not that long ago? Like, that's fairly modern. So, it's hard. See, this is all uh, all original music. Actually, the people who wrote the music behind this... Um, crap, what was his name? The composer, uh, Justin Hurwitz, is actually working... He just did the music for a show called Dear Evan Hansen, which opened on Broadway. And if you know me or follow me on Facebook or Twitter, uh, you know I've been obsessed with them for the last six months. So, again, this is very much a modern musical with original music, whereas Moulin Rouge and, like, Hairspray, not the Hairspray, but Moulin Rouge was what they call, like, a jukebox musical, where they're taking other songs and kind of twisting them to make it their own thing. It's also a completely different type of movie, because Moulin Rouge was trying to be a very much avant-garde, new wave musical, whereas this is paying tribute to what's come before. So, I mean, if you were going to, I guess if they took Singing in the Rain and those classic movie musicals from the 50s and 40s and made them today, it would be this, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that, that sounds like pretty high praise, though. So uh, would would you say, like, one of the best movie musicals of all time? Would you put it in, like, top 10, top 20? I would say put it or in top it 10. Just, just a, a love letter to it. it again, it's, it's more paying homage, so it's, it, it is kind of its own thing. But this does have absolutely fantastic music, uh, both lyrics and the, the music itself. Uh, it's it's just, it's great. It, as much as we've had kind of a downer year, uh, it's kind of fun to have something like this that's more uplifting and just kind of takes you out on a high note um, instead of like, much like a rival. Like a rival, when you got out of that, there was a sense of hope that I think we were kind of missing. And I wouldn't say this movie is all about hope or. Uh, you know, the sense of, but there's a sense of playfulness there that some recent stuff, especially apparently Collateral Beauty, <laughs> uh, didn't have in it. So to to rate it among classic musicals, it's almost, uh, it's hard to say. It's almost like trying to say, um, you know, like the movie Ed Wood was paying homage to the horrible director Ed Wood. Can you compare it to his movies? Well, no, because they're not the same thing, if that makes sense. So all year long I've been playing this game where... The first great movie I saw was Hail Caesar, which mm -hmm. was also, you know, a huge love letter to the cinema of yesterday. And all year long I've been playing the game, is it as good as Hail Caesar? Because that was my first, like, 
high watermark for the year. So I'm really glad we're going to close out the year with another strong movie that uh, those two kind of bookend everything everything in between them. Yeah. So uh, and, and whether that, or not that's you, nice. You you, uh, you liked Hail Caesar more than I did. I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but I think it was just a little higher up the, the ladder for you. So will I think you'll love this as much as Hail Caesar? I don't know. That's it's kind of hard to say. I just know that uh, among my friends who've seen it all, we all loved it for the most part. Um, I know that it's uh, right now it's kind of in the lead for like the Golden Globes, and I know it's one of our uh, nominees for uh, the UFCA Best Picture of the Year award. So, which we will are going to go vote on right after this, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited for that, and I, yeah. I'll, I'll see, and, and I'm definitely going to try and see this this week or next before we get to our final end-of-the-year wrap-up with our with our end-of-the-year list. This has eluded me, but not for much longer. Yeah, so, so yeah, you'll, you'll see it. It's, it's finally out. I mean, I saw this, gosh, before Thanksgiving, I think, and I can finally talk about it because it's finally, it's finally opening up places. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you love musicals, and especially if you love old Hollywood and if you love L.A., uh, this is the movie for you this week. Anything but collateral beauty. But next week, we actually have a pretty full docket. We've got Assassin's Creed, which is with Michael Fassbender, based on the video game series of the same name. Uh, Passengers, the Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt sci-fi movie. Sing, the animated karaoke movie. That's all I can think of when I see it. Yep. Patriot's Day, the drama about the, bar- the Boston Marathon bombing. Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, Why Him, the screwball uh, Christmas movie. A Monster Calls, about a young boy meeting a monster and dealing with grief. Grief seems to be, again, a kind of common theme throughout here. And I think uh, that's about all we will be seeing. Yeah. 2016 is going to begin and end with grief. So hopefully, yeah. though, you guys will have a great week leading up to uh, your holidays. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Hold me a score to keep